welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Menifee. Each week, we gather to better understand the teachings of the Bible and how to live them out in our daily lives. We hope and pray that you're encouraged by this week's message. Look in those Bibles to Psalms 107 verse 1, and it says this. This is where I'm going to be focusing. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Can you say God is good? He is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Lord, we live in a day when people need a reason to be thankful. So show us from your word your goodness so that we and others can have a reason to give thanks. In Jesus' name, in the body of Christ, say amen. 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 You may take your seats. It's hard to believe that Thanksgiving is already here. Amen. We're going into, without going into the history of Thanksgiving, we know, we know that it is a holiday that many set aside in order to be thankful for what they have and what they've accomplished over the past year. But for us as believers, we know that Thanksgiving cannot be reserved for just one day a year. Can somebody say amen? I'm going to tell you, I feel like begging this morning. I need some amens this morning, so I'm going to go ahead and beg for amens this morning. Amen? But that every day, we as believers, we ought to give thanks specifically to God for who he is and all that he has done in our lives. Amen? Amen, amen. Listen, because we know that every day of every year, we know one thing. We know that God is good. Amen? And so using Psalms 107 as a foundation, I want to preach from the title, Always Thankful. Hmm, are you always thankful? Unfortunately, for many, the holiday season can also be a very difficult time, especially for those who have lost loved ones and families. And so church, can I also encourage you not only to pray, but to also reach out to those who may be feeling lonely and depressed during the holiday season. Amen? Let me encourage you to reach out and show the love of Christ to maybe a single mom who may be struggling to put a Thanksgiving meal on a table. We must reach out and show the love of Christ to a, maybe a bereaving family uh, who may not have the energy or the, even the desire to celebrate the holidays. Let us reach out and show the love of Christ to someone whose life may be in such turmoil that they can find no good reason to be thankful. See, many are looking at their lives and they're wondering, what do I have to be thankful for? As they look at their lives and maybe the sad state affairs around them, they're genuinely asking the question, can any good thing come out of this? Have you ever been there? I have. Where you just can't see any good that can possibly come out or result from your current situation. And you begin to ask yourself, can any good thing come out of this terrible situation? Nathaniel asked a similar question when Philip told him, we have found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And knowing the poor reputation of Nazareth and the insignificant 
significance of the small little town, Nathanael asked the question, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? The times in which he lived were bad. His people, the sons of Israel, were under Roman rule and authority. They hadn't heard a word from God in over 400 years. Evil was the norm. Uh, immorality was commonplace. The legalistic religion of the Sadducees and the Pharisees was, was the imposed duty of the day. Hopelessness was the forecast for the future. And so Nathaniel asked the question, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? And Philip's response was, come and see. I think it was Charles Dickens who wrote in the tales of two cities, these are the best of times and these are the worst of times. Covenant Grace, people are looking for a reason to be thankful. Hundreds have been affected by the recent mass shootings, amen? And hundreds more have lost their lives and all that they own in the California fires. And, and so many are, are under, for many, they, these are understandably the worst of times. But bad times have a way of making people ripe for the gospel. If we, the church, can reach out with real compassion and empathy, sharing our resources and demonstrating genuine love for people, these can also be opportunities for the best of times. Amen? Like Philip, our response to those who are looking for some reason to be thankful, our response must be, come and see. Come and see him who, who specializes in showing up in times when, seem, uh, uh, when times seem to be at their worst. Come and see him who, who, who just when uh, things seem to be the darkest, just when all hope has all, all but vanished, come and see God who is our hope. Listen, many are looking for a good thing to be thankful for this holiday season, and there's only one proper response, come and see how good our God is. I don't know about you, but I have to admit, I spend a lot of hours every week listening to all the bad news that's happening in the world. And after listening, it's, it's sometimes hard to remember that I have a reason to be thankful. Someone here may be thinking, listen, I, I got I got enough difficulties in my own life. I don't need to listen to anyone else's bad news. I'm struggling to find a reason in my own life to be thankful. Listen, whether you listen to bad news on TV or talk about it in the break room at work or around the kitchen table at home, to some extent, we're all exposed to the bad news in the world, and this can often make it hard to find a reason to be thankful. But I believe Psalms 107 gives us a reason to always be thankful. Like Philip, this psalm is a call to come and see God. Come and see just how good God is. And when you come to him with all of your cares, he will give you a reason to be thankful. Let me paint a quick overview of Psalms 107. I'm so grateful that, that, that Eric read the entire psalm just about. Psalms 107 is the first psalm of book five of the Psalter. It is a song that celebrates 
the goodness of God, who redeemed Israel from their adversary and delivered them out of all of their troubles and distresses. I wonder this morning, is anyone in trouble? Does anyone have a a, a feeling or is anyone feeling stressed out today? Well, I believe you've come to church on the right Sunday. Because through the people, though the people whom this song was written to has changed, meaning we're not Old Testament Israel, we're the church, and though the specific troubles are different, we're still afflicted every day with various trials. So even though the people and the troubles are different, what remains the same, what never changes, what was true for them and is still equally true for us today is the character and nature of God who because of his loving kindness, always redeems his people out of their trouble. Uh-huh. So look, maybe you're in trouble this morning, struggling to be thankful because you're dealing with some very difficult people in your life. Verses 1 through 3 is a call to come and see this God who can deliver you from your adversary. Maybe you find yourself in a difficult place or position and you don't know how to, you, you don't know how you, you got there, you don't know or you don't want to be there, but you, you can't seem to find yourself, uh, uh, your way out of there. Verse 4 and 9 is a call to come and see this good God who can deliver you out of any wilderness experience. Or just maybe you've been going through a very dark time. I want you to know that verses 10 through 16 is a call to come and see this good God who can deliver you from the shadow of death. Or if you're struggling with sickness or sin or or the consequences of sin, 17 through 23 is calling us to come and see this good God who can deliver us from the very gates of death. And if anyone who is in it up over your head. Maybe you're dealing with something completely beyond your control. Well, this Psalms covers that too. Because verse 23 through 38 says, come and see this all-powerful God who causes the storms in your life to be still and who turns barren deserts into fruitful oases flowing with rivers of water. Oh, listen, that ought to excite you. That ought to encourage you. That ought to give you a reason to give thanks. The point is this, that if you are in any kind of trouble or distress today, God is both willing and able to deliver you so that you have a reason to give thanks. This psalm sets before us a clear pattern of thanksgiving or or a pathway, if you will, or a process whereby we can move from being stressed to thankful. Here it is. Look at your Bibles. When God's people were in a difficult place in verse 6 and 7, listen, they cried. Can you say, can you say cried? They cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them out of their distresses. He led them also by a straight way to go to an inhabited city. When they were in a difficult situation, verse 13 and 14 says this, then they cried. You see that? Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their bonds apart. And when they were dealing with difficult situations, verse 19, or circumstances, verse 19 and 20 says, then they did what? 
They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. And when their life's problems were completely beyond their control, verse 28 and 29 says, They cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he brought them out of their distresses. He caused the storms to be still and that the waves of the sea were hushed. I love that. Do you see this? When God's people are in trouble and when we cry out to him, every time he will deliver us out of our distresses, his way and in his timing. And watch what happens after the Lord delivers us. I want you to see what it is. It not, not only, it's not only the expected response, but it's the most natural response when God delivers us from trouble. After the Lord delivered them out of all of the difficult places, verse 8 and 9 says, Let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has satisfied the thirsty soul and the hungry soul he has filled with what is good. And after the Lord, then, uh, uh, and after the Lord delivered them from difficult situations, verse 15 and 16, I'm just giving you an overview right now. I hope you're tracking with me. Verse 15 and 16 says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. For he has shattered gates of bronze and cuts bars of iron asunder. And after the Lord uh, 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 delivered them from their difficult circumstances, verse 23 and 24 says, says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness, for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them also offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his works with joyful singing. And after the Lord delivers them from what seemed like impossible odds, verse 32 and 33 says, let them give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness and for his wonders to the sons of men. Let them extol him also in the congregation of the people and praise him at the seat of the elders. Do you see that? Do you see the pattern here? So when trouble comes, we cry out to the Lord. When we cry out, the Lord delivers us. When the Lord delivers us, we give him thanks. That's the key to maintaining a thankful attitude. And we can give thanks at the beginning of every trial, knowing that when we cry out to the Lord, he will deliver us. So this psalm appropriately begins with, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. The world may not have a good reason to give thanks, but we do. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good. If you're looking for something good to be thankful for, come and see. Look to the Lord for he is good. Those who are in the world, those who don't know Christ, those who may uh, not know or may not be personally united with God, those folk may not have any good thing for which to be thankful because they're looking for good in places and faces other than the Lord. There are some who believe that they can be, uh, only be thankful after they find a good man. But when you thought what you thought was a good man can turn bad real quick. You need something more than just a good man or woman. You need the Lord because only the Lord is good. Some folks think that finding a good job will cause them to be thankful. But a good job can turn bad. 
There's never any guarantee that that job will be there tomorrow. So you need something more than just a good job to be thankful for. You need the Lord because only the Lord is good. Some people are looking for a good time, but after a good time of partying and drinking, they still feel empty and lonely because you need something more than just a good time. You need the Lord because only the Lord is good. What are you waiting for? What are you looking for? What will make you thankful? I'm here to tell you it's not finding a good deal on Black Friday or Cyber Monday. Because after a day of undisciplined shopping, you're often left broke and feeling guilty. You need more than just a good deal. To be thankful, you need the Lord because only the Lord is good. It was Jesus himself who revealed this truth to us when he was on the way to Jerusalem. He was on his way to celebrate the Passover. In fact, he was on his way to become the Passover lamb. And as he and his disciples were traveling down the road, a rich man ran up to Jesus and knelt before him and said this, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And, and, and before Jesus told him what he needed to do, Jesus asked him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. Let me be very clear. This is not a denial of his deity. For in him all the fullness of deity dwelled in bodily form. But Jesus being a master teacher, uses this as an opportunity to give the rich young ruler an opportunity to confess what he really believed. But let me focus your attention on what Jesus says, though, because it reveals something extraordinary about God. He said only God is good. God alone is the only one who can truly be called good. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. And, th and it's because of this that we as sons and daughters should be thankful. God is good. We give thanks because we know that God is good. Can you believe that was just my intro? <laughs> my points are real short and real quick. At least the last two are. <laughs> so let me give you three reasons why every believer can always be thankful. We can always be thankful for God's person. We can always be thankful for his provisions. And we can always be thankful because he's praiseworthy. Point one, we give thanks for his person. The scripture says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. For his loving kindness is everlasting. Scripture teaches us that God is good. And it is his goodness that gives us a, a reason, a cause to be thankful. We like to say this, uh, 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 God is good when? All the time. And all the time? God, listen, we cannot look to our external circumstances to find the good to be thankful for because our external circumstances can change. But God is good. And all the time? We cannot trust people to be good and give us a cause to be uh, thankful because people will disappoint you. But God is good. And all the time? God is good and God himself is the ultimate source. Of goodness. So what exactly is good? Well, I looked it up in the Oxford Dictionary. You just have to say Oxford like that. I don't know if that's right or not. 
Good, it said, is having right or desired qualities. And I, I read that and I thought, mm, yes, that describes God. He has all the right and all the desired qualities. God is good, and in his goodness, there's the quality of love. God is good, and in his goodness, there's the quality of grace. God is good, and in his goodness, there's the quality of mercy. I can go on and on. God has all the right and desired qualities. Therefore, God is good. Well, I noticed that in the dictionary, the definition of good was very lengthy. And so I read more. And this is what it says. I quote, good means being efficient competent, reliable, and strong. Good means being kind and morally excellent. Good means enjoyable, agreeable, considerable. I had to close the dictionary to check the cover to make sure I wasn't reading my Bible. Because God is all of these qualities and more. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. So it's good to give thanks for his person, meaning it's good to give thanks simply because of who God is is. The reason every believer can always be thankful is because God is good. And listen to me. He communicates his goodness to every believer. God's goodness is one of his communicable attributes. These are the attributes of God, those things about his person that he chooses to more clearly share with us or communicate to us. So the reason we can always be thankful is because God is good and because he shares his goodness with us. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. Listen, wherever God is present, his goodness is being communicated. His goodness is being shared or expressed. Listen, listen. So since God is always present in our lives, Nobody got it yet. His goodness is always being shared and experienced in our lives. Here, here's what's so good about the goodness of God. Whenever God shares with us his goodness, he is also communicating other aspects of his person with us. What I mean is this. When God gives us his goodness, he also gives us exactly what we need in whatever circumstance we may find ourselves. Mm, you still don't get it. Turn in your Bibles to Exodus 33, verse 17. Exodus, keep your finger there, Psalms 107. Exodus 33, 17. This is one of Moses' prayers. He's interceding on behalf of Israel. And God just told Moses that he would send an angel to lead them into the promised land. But because the people were obstinate, meaning they were stiff-necked, unwilling to yield to God's will. They were hard-headed people. God told Moses this in verse 3. Did you say at 17? So Moses is now pleading with God on behalf of the, uh, I'm sorry, go up to a land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up in your midst because you are an obstinate people and I might destroy you on the way. Wow, yes. So Moses is now pleading with God on behalf of the people. And, and as a result of Moses' prayer, God tells Moses that he will, in fact, go with them and lead the people into the promised land. But also in this prayer, Moses asked God for something for himself. In verse 17, it says, The Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of which you have spoken. 
for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. Then Moses said, I pray you, show me your glory. You see that? Moses had seen a manifestation of God's glory in the burning bush, but Moses wanted to see more of God's glory. Moses had seen the manifestation of God's glory in the cloud that was leading them by day and the pillar of fire that was leading them by night. Uh, But Moses wanted to see more of God's glory. Moses had met God on the mountaintop and seen the finger of God carve the Ten Commandments on stone. But still Moses wanted to see more of God's glory. And so Moses asked, I pray you, show me your glory. And God responds this way. I myself, verse 19, I myself will make all my what? What did he say? Oh, I myself will make all my goodness. Moses said, let me see your glory. And God says, God responds, I myself will make all of my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will show compassion on whom I will show compassion. Did you catch it? Did you hear that? Moses asked to see God's glory. And in response, God promised to make all of his goodness pass before Moses. And in the next morning, When God allowed his goodness to pass before Moses, the scripture is indicating that with the passing of God's goodness in front of Moses also came other aspects of God's nature. Look, verse 34, 5 through 7 says this, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood there with him as he called upon the name of the Lord. Then the Lord passed in front of him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, that's long-suffering, and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgressions, and sin. God said he would allow all of his goodness to pass before Moses, and he passed before Moses, and then we hear God communicating all of these other attributes of his goodness. (laughs) I know you're asking, so... Why is that important? Let me tell you. Because to understand that God's goodness is an aspect of his person, his essence or his nature or his character, is to understand that as he blesses us with his goodness, we are also being blessed with his mercy. We're being blessed by his grace. We're being gl- blessed with his long suffering. We're being blessed with his love, with his truth, with his, with his forgiveness. It's all there in the text. This is what it is meant by all his goodness. So when the Bible says that God is good, it's referring to all of these qualities about the person of God. Pastor Cahey, I still don't get it. That's okay. Because here's all I'm saying. All you need to know is one thing. (laughs) God is good. When you're feeling unloved because his love is expressed in his goodness, all you need to know is God is good. 
when you are in need of God's favor, even though you know you don't deserve it, because his grace is expressed in his goodness, all you need to know is God is good. When you have messed up and you're in need of God's mercy, all you need to know is that God is good. If your health is failing, you need to know that God is good. If you lack strength, just remember that God is good. If you need guidance and direction, God is good. If you need help to overcome sin in your life, you just need need to remember that God is good. Through every test and trial, all you need to know is that God is good because the other qualities of his person is communicated in his goodness. Should have brought a towel. Sweating all over the place. Sorry. So we give thanks for his person. So God is not only good in his person, God is good in what he does. His provisions are good. Psalms 119.68 says this, you are good and you do good. I love that. Real quick, these two are real quick. We give thanks for his provisions. First of all, it is God's desire that we enjoy all of his goodness. Psalm 34.8, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man that takes refuge in him. I shared a couple of weeks ago that I missed out on a lot of fine food, a lot of good tasting food in my life because I literally have a fear of putting something that doesn't taste good in my mouth. My wife is always asking me to taste new food. She's always trying to get me to expand my culinary taste buds, and I'm always resisting to her. My family and I had the pleasure of eating dinner with Tajin and Jeanette, and, and Tajin cooked a wonderful Korean cuisine. And the Kenny of old would have missed out because in the past, I wouldn't have tasted one dish. But I was so blessed because I had changed my thinking about food. Many of us treat God the same way. We resist his goodness. We're too afraid to taste and see just how good God is. Are you up there because I got to sit down? Oh, yes. Thank you. Because <laughs> I'll be obedient. <laughs> We're too afraid to surrender every area of our lives to him. So we miss out on tasting the goodness of God. So, so when we're too afraid to submit our will to his will, when we insist on doing what's right in our own eyes, we miss out on tasting the goodness of God, and instead we eat the fruit of our own consequences. Oh, listen, I, I don't know about you, but, but I don't want to miss out on anything that God has, has in store for me that, that's good for me. For the Lord, God is a sun and a shield, Psalms 84 says. The Lord gives grace and glory. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Uh-oh. I'm about to step on some toes. The key to tasting the goodness of God is to walk uprightly before him. That means to walk with integrity. That means that we don't compromise in our obedience. Uh, pa Pastor Eric, uh-oh, he's preaching Baptist doctrine. It, it means that we live according to the standard of God's word, even when it's unpopular to do so. It means we don't act one way at church on Sunday morning and another way on the job on Monday morning. It means we don't cheapen the grace of Romans 6. Uh, uh, listen, don't, don't think that, that, that we can live contrary to the word of God and still experience all of his goodness. Amen. It doesn't work that way. 
We must walk uprightly before. Psalms 31, 19 says that God's goodness is stored up for those who fear him. We must fear God and walk uprightly if we are to taste the goodness of God. We must fear God enough to walk according to the standard of his word. Our lifestyle must line up with his word. We cannot justify sin in our lives and still be upright. The standard of God's word is clear. It may be unpopular to the unregenerated heart, but yet the truth of God's word is still clear. See, I believe most people want to taste the goodness of God, but the problem is they don't want to change their lifestyle in order to do that. See, I, I believe most people believe that. So, so man will try to justify a sinful lifestyle by twisting and distorting and misinterpreting the word in an attempt to taste the goodness of God without a change in lifestyle. But I understand something new now. If I want to taste good food in life, there needs to be a change in my thinking, and I need to change my behavior. I cannot be afraid to taste new things. I cannot keep practicing what I've been doing all of my life, even though it feels right to me. I have to make some changes in my behavior. Listen, if you want to taste the goodness of God, you have to make some changes in your lifestyle. We cannot practice sin and still taste the goodness of God. I know. I know. We must repent of sin. We don't hear that that often. And change our lifestyle. The goodness of his grace is available to give us all the help we need to do just that. Isn't that good news? Why? Because he wants us to taste his goodness. He wants us to enjoy experiencing all that he has for us. For everything created by God is good. Everything God creates is good. And it's for our enjoyment. And therefore, we can give thanks for his provisions. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Jesus said that if an evil father knows how to give good gifts to his son, how much more will your father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask? We give thanks both for God's person and his provision. Let me end with this. We also give thanks because uh, God has been so good to us and he deserves to be thanked. <laughs> we give thanks for, because he's praiseworthy. Can I give you these scriptures and just ask you to read them and meditate on them? But Ephesians 5.20 says, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, even to the Father. Colossians 3.17 says, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him, to God the Father. And 1 Thessalonians 3.18 says, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. There's an expectation that God has of us that we should give thanks in all things, not because, not for, but in all things. And the reason we can give thanks in all things is because in all things, God himself remains always good. We can see this expectation in the account of the ten lepers who were healed by Jesus in Luke chapter 17. Real quick, Luke chapter 17. 
And as you're turning there, verse 11 says, And it came about while he was on the way to Jerusalem that he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a certain village, ten leprous men who stood at the distance met him. And they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And it came about that as they were going, they were cleansed. Now one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at his feet and giving thanks to him, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answered and said, Where Were there not ten cleansed, but nine? Where are they? Was no one found who turned back to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Rise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. When you experience the goodness of God in your life. We sang it in the song. That was wonderful. Again, are you quick to turn back and give thanks? Will you return and give God glory for what he's done? Like, or like the other nine. Is God left asking the question, were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where, where are they? Is God looking around heaven and asking the angels, didn't I just bless her? Where is she? Didn't I just show him my goodness? Where is he? Have you failed to regularly turn back and give God thanks for all that he is and all that he's done in your life? The scripture says that God inhabits, he dwells, he abides, he lives, he resides in the praises of his people. We must give thanks to God because he's praiseworthy. He deserves our praise. He rightly deserves our gratitude. We give thanks. Because his loving kindness, the scripture says, is everlasting. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Why? For he is good. I'm back at Psalms 107. Now I'm ending. I know I said that about 10 times. For his loving kindness is everlasting. This is one of the most beautiful words in the entire Bible. There's no English word that even comes close in its interpretation. And I'm not smart enough. To do it any justice. But this is Hased. God's Hased speaks of the strength of his covenant commitment and love for us. A love that can never, ever be broken. It is a committed love based on God's character and his actions and not ours. Hased speaks of the steadfastness of God's love for us. A love that's always loyal always devoted, always faithful, always true, always kind. It always pursues us, always chases us, always catches us, always covers us, always cares for us. It's his steadfast love. Hased speaks of the great generosity of God's love for us, a love that only seeks the supreme best for us, what's most beneficial for us. It seeks to meet our greatest need. said, loving kindness. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his loving kindness is everlasting. It is this truth, this character, this aspect of the goodness of God that makes it possible for us to always be thankful because of his loving kindness. His said, we can read in the New Testament, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting 
life. He so loved us, Jesus, God's Son, hid his glory in a human body so that he can live the good life before God that you and I could never live. His loving kindness is everlasting. He so loved us that he grew up as any other man, lived his whole life as a captive under Roman rule, a subject, a hard life, rejected by his fellow men, persecuted by the religious leaders that were appointed to minister to him. His loving kindness is everlasting. He so loved us that he willingly, voluntarily, wholeheartedly sacrificed that good life that he led as a substitute to God for us to pay our debt of sin and to remove God's wrath from us. His loving kindness is everlasting. He so loved us that he came back into our world after rising from the dead, ready to give his good life as a gift to anyone who would believe in him. His loving kindness is everlasting. He so loved us that he will not force himself upon us, but he will, not, he will not violate our willful decision to freely love him back. So instead, being full of chesed, being full of loving kindness, he calls us to come to him. And this call is communicated through the good news of the gospel, the good news of his life, the good news of his death, the good news of his resurrection, and how it makes our resurrection into newness of life a reality, his loving kindness is everlasting. In his loving kindness, he sends out this good news through the gospel, the good news of the gospel, which inherent in it is the power of irresistible grace. <laughs> That's too complicated. But know this, that it both compels the hearer to respond, and then it gives the hearer the ability to willfully willfully choose to accept his call of love and salvation. If I could dance, any other way would have been a violation of his said and would constitute a greater evil. Listen, the cross of Jesus Christ is the ultimate, absolute, highest, supreme, I wish I had other adjectives, expression of the goodness of God. So on this Thanksgiving holiday, let's make a commitment to give thanks to God each and every day of the year for his person, who he is, for his provision, all that he has done, and because he's praiseworthy. He deserves our thanks for his said love. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can email us at info at May the Lord bless your week and guide your steps.